0: Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. We took a week off, but now we're back and a lot has happened in that time. We're going to talk about, you see the big horseshoe behind me. The Indianapolis Colts are going to unveil a new uniform of sorts, really a, a new old uniform based on something that you know we pretty much have had, you know, for the it's whole a time. But
1: Just call it's, it like it is. It's, it's a, throw-
0: a it's a throwback, even though they have the the you know, the most historic jerseys or one of the more historic jerseys in the NFL. We're also going to talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We originally had some other things on the docket, but that news broke today. So we're gonna go ahead and talk some big twelve to the sec movement and then we're also going to tie a bow on the nba season and get more into the nba draft is hey it's fast moving it's a fast moving off season as uh, the nba finals just ended but now we're getting ready to talk about nba draft before the next this season is supposed starts to again. be the
1: dead time of year this is supposed to be the dead time of year and there's not supposed to be anything going on right now but wow
0: a lot to get to but first yeah. of all how was uh, your uh, past couple of weeks, B Scott? Uh it was it was pretty low key. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> uh, not much going on in the college sports world of you know, in baseball and wrestling and all that. Other than we got the Olympics starting, and now we're we're shifting into Olympic coverage. So, yeah, you probably how don't. Was, how, about, how about you?
0: How how was your move? The move was good. As you can you can't really tell because like all you can see that's different is the lighting is different on my face than it has been in past uh podcasts, but I am in a different location. I have moved. The move was hectic, uh stressful at times, but it's finally over. Uh you know, I've I bought myself a new ring light, so uh, the lighting is pretty on on point here. So very excited. Uh, to get back into the content creation game, get back into the podcasting game. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited because now we roll past these couple of hiatuses back into, you know, we're starting to get back into football. We're talking about football today. We've got the NBA. Exactly. So uh, very excited to get into that. And so speaking of the Colts, let's go ahead and get into our first topic of the night. Uh, The Colts unveil their new throwback uniform. It's going to be a throwback back to the 1956 season. Um, Now, it's going to feature two mini horseshoes on the back of the helmet rather than on the sides. They're going to have that's not new.
1: That's not new.
0: Well, I know they had it for a preseason game like a couple of years ago. No,
1: not just a preseason game. They actually rolled that helmet out um with all white jersey that basically was an all-white version of this uniform against the detroit lions on thanksgiving yeah I forget which year it was it wasn't it was it was, it was the year that
0: it was the it wasn't that the year that manning was that the year that manning threw 49 touchdowns i believe I think, so yeah because he threw um, like
1: 30 of them in that game
0: yeah he had like yeah six i think something like that um but they're gonna have three stripes instead of two on the shoulders. Uh, the TV numbers will be above the stripes rather than below. So, I mean that that sounds like really like minor differences. But if you've had a chance to take a look at it, um, it's on Twitter if you want to go check it out. Um, it's a pretty cool uniform. I mean, they still look very clean. I'm I'm excited by them. Uh, they're gonna wear them October 28th against the Buccaneers. Uh, they look. I think sim- the
1: Buccaneers are wearing throwback uniforms that day too.
0: That's kind of what I've seen too, and that's what I'm I'm that's really what I'm hoping for because. Um, it's always a little, a little odd when you see it, one team wear their throwback and then the other team doesn't. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more palatable when the team is another like historic team. So, like when the Lions play the Packers on Thanksgiving and the Lions wear their, you know, silver, you know, just complete silver, no logo helmets, it looks okay because it's against the Packers whose, you know, logo hasn't changed in forever. But when you have the, um, you know when you have, you know, a more, you know, yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars going up against, you know, the Titans, and the Titans are wearing their Oilers uniforms. You know, it it looks a little weird. So, um, you know, very excited to see, you know, both teams take part in that because those old uh, orange jerseys that and an orange uh, colors that the uh, that the Bucks have are pretty awesome. I do; those are one of my favorite throwbacks for sure.
1: Yeah, that, those were pretty good. Uh, I would have to say my favorite throwback, though. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you my worst, my least
0: favorite. Is it the Steelers, Bumblebees? It's the Steelers. The yeah. Steelers?
1: Honestly, though, also um, the Packers, their throwbacks.
0: I just – I don't I don't hate them. I just prefer their regular jerseys. I, I think that's what they like. The Steelers are bad. The Steelers should never wear them ever again. They, they should never wear the Bumblebee throwbacks ever oh, again. They're horrible. Um, but the Packers, I'm okay with. It kind of looks cool and old-timey. I just don't prefer that over – because, like, there are some throwbacks got- – there are some throwbacks in the NFL where I, like, am excited when they decide to wear them. You know, the – you know, hell, we'll get into it right now. The Our favorite throwbacks, we're going to, like, kind of save it for a second. Um, but, you know, you have – you know the Oilers and Titans come to mind the old Oilers jerseys the powder blues which i think a lot of times when they've gone to the Oilers they've worn just the all white jerseys um mm. but you know you have the red uh, you know i hate to say it but the Pats uh red jersey with the you know the the patriot hiking the football um on the NFL on the NFC side you know you have the kelly green jerseys for the Eagles um the Bucks orange jerseys like we mentioned even the Saints like sort of old school jerseys that have like kind of the or, uh, the uh, gold and black kind of accent on the shoulder, um, you know those are pretty cool. So like the old Joe some,
1: Horn day,
0: yeah, exactly. So like those sh- throwbacks, I'm like, oh, cool. I mean the the I, I didn't now I didn't include like the Chargers because like they've pretty much gone back to their throwback as their yeah. primary jersey. Um, so like and that's cool. Like
1: thing with the Rams, they've gone back to like their throwback
0: right and so like those i didn't include because i was like well i mean they've got they've made the right choice and gone back to their throwbacks like heck even now like if the tight, if the tennessee titans were to announce that they would wear their their helmet and jersey combinations from like 1999 through uh you know this the whenever they changed to like the all blue helmet because i hate the blue helmet i love the white helmet so much better um if they announced that i'd be excited to see it because i love those old titans jerseys so um you know there's some throwbacks that you actually enjoy seeing, but you know, there's other throwbacks where you're like, okay, that's that's cool, but like like if the Jets were like, we're gonna wear our throwbacks that like Brett Favre wore that were like all black and gold when they were like back when they were the New York Titans or whatever. Like I'm like, okay, I don't want to watch this. Like I don't there's there are games that I will actively not watch if the if like the throwbacks are awful. Um mm. because I'd be like, you know, it's it's kind of a weird thing. I don't know if I'm the only if I'm like going out on a limb here, but like when I uh, – if I'm watching a game um, and I'm, like, excited for the color, like, combination. So, like, let's say it's the Jets versus the Steelers. So, I'm like, excited to see, like, that, that green uniform versus, like, the Steelers, like, white uniforms. I'm excited to see that color combination. If, like, the S- Steelers came out in the Bumblebee jerseys, i would be like, all right, I'm done. I'm not watching this. Because, <laughs> like so, – so, yeah. So, there's some jerseys – long story short, there's some jerseys that you get excited to see that are throwbacks. And the Packers one Is a good. Is an okay? okay, It's okay, but it's not one that I'm like. Oh, cool! They're wearing the Acme Packers jerseys today,
1: or the Chicago uh, Bears when they look like the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, like for me, the in the AFC, my favorite uh, throwback. You know, it's got to be the Denver Broncos.
0: Ooh, that's a good one.
1: You know, with the kind of the the Bronco coming through the D. I, I really like that. I mean, just because those were fun teams to watch. Um, or even the when they made the switch from that to the more modern jerseys, I kind of had like the, I don't know, the stripes that kind of went down the side came to a point near the belly when they won their two back-to-back Super Bowls. Those were yeah. the jerseys then. Those were pretty cool. Um, the other one I would say with the, on the AFC side is the early Jacksonville Jaguars. Uniforms. Yeah. I mean, those yeah. were good. Even the Jags just screwed it up. Yeah, they, they're getting back better. They're getting back to being better. But those were good early on. Um, on the NFC side of things, you know, the NFC is kind of tough because you know you got like the Cowboys who are just the same. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are kind of <laughs> have always had. I mean, that's the anytime where over the Cardinals have been. But for me, I'm going to go with the um, Seattle Seahawks back yeah. to the Sean Alexander and Matt Hasselbeck days when it, it was kind of like a grayish silver with the green and blue. Yeah, and, you know, I, I really like. I mean, that, back when um, you know they they lost to the Steelers in the Super Bowl, but.
0: You're talking those about those ones, or are you talking about the ones that like had like the silver helmets with the like seagull? Well, I guess they have oh, still have the seagull yeah. on the side. I'm talking we're about
1: talk- the or even ones before the Super Bowl.
0: I got you. Yeah. So yeah, that was gonna say the ones that like Sean Alexander. Like whenever I think about those jerseys, I think like Seattle. Like for whatever reason, this is the one memory I have of those jerseys in my mind. But it's Sean Alexander on Sunday Night Football against the Raiders at Washington Husky Stadium before the uh, the Seahawks moved into Quest Field uh you know breaking like 80 yard runs like that's what that that's what that jersey reminds me of hey look i've always thought that thursday night football missed the missed the bar by not making thursday night throwback thursday and having both teams wear throwback uniforms i think that would yeah. be so cool but
1: if you look at some of the teams they always have on there they're always wearing throwback unless like if you're going
0: to have the Cowboys. Well, what's the color rush it, it it's so yeah, like well cuz like the I only color, the color rush, rush the only color rush jerseys that, I mean, because the the Broncos did kind of go with uh, back to the throwback with the color rush. The yeah. Giants, if the Giants wore their jerseys that used, that were, I mean, really, it's just a helmet that says Giants along the side. I really like those ones, but they never do. Same with what was another team I was thinking of that like they could, oh, it's the Seahawks. They, they never wear that throwback, but it would be cool if they brought it back as a throwback.
1: Yeah. Or if the Jets brought back the white helmet with the green circle <laughs> that said Jets back, yeah. when, you know, they were actually good. Um, right. That would be, those would be good to see.
0: Well, but, and I mean, oh, they, I, I,
1: actually, I, I have to say, I do like New Orleans color rush. Just the all black. I've always yeah. been a fan of the all, like, it, it, that's kind of cool. But
0: it works with the color scheme that the Saints have, like the black yeah. and gold and, and all well, that stuff.
1: I guess if you're the Cowboys, if you had to do one throwback, what were those? They were like blue jerseys, but they had like the big Dallas Cowboy star on the shoulder pads. Yeah. It, it was like late 90s when they pulled these things out. They were horrible, but <laughs> I guess that could be your throwback.
0: Well, the, the Eagles I know a long time ago broke out a throwback where they were like, like powder blue and like mustard yellow back when they had like Donovan McNabb. And I don't know, like what if this was like from the Steagles days of like or like something? I have no idea. It was something really weird, but Very yeah. Weird. O- overall, I'm just really excited for these throwback uniforms. I mean, like I said, you got you they're know simple. They're simple. Like you caught a glimpse of them in that Thanksgiving game. You caught a glimpse of something similar in that preseason game a few years ago. And I even think they're better than that one. Like I think that they they really hit the nail on the head. And, I, and I'm excited seen, to heard see
1: people those. Say, just make these your regular jerseys.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it'd be something, it'd be a change that is like, like looks cool, but isn't like, you know, super drastic. It's not like right. the Colts are like, you know what, we're going on to, the, on the side of the helmet, we're going to wear that logo where like the, you have the bucking like horse with the helmet coming off and we're going to, we're going to be. Now, those if tr-
1: they did that, I would, I would love that.
0: Yeah, that would actually look pretty cool. That's probably a bad example, but like, <laughs> we're gonna change our colors to went, burnt orange you know how they and silver. The logo last year, yeah,
1: like, to make it like that one where they had it on its side. It's a C that looks like a horseshoe. Oh
0: yeah, if they did that,
1: if they did that, that would have been swing and a miss.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would look awful. That would almost look kind of like a D three college, almost yeah. if they did something or like that. An arena football. Right. So yeah, very excited about those Colts uh, throwback uniforms and we're going to get ready and talk more football. But until then, let's hear from our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps and your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. Remember that you can follow us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at FM. You can go to our YouTube channel, 3C Media. We're getting ready to come out with a new logo. You have the MCT Podcast that is always popping off. uh, Their most recent podcast. Uh, which is uh, they also did sort of an NBA season recap. Their most recent video is like one of the tops on our channel. So we thank you guys every uh, week for that support on the MCT podcast or YouTube exclusive podcast where you can also see us um, every week. Uh, We aren't streaming uh, this week. If Obviously, if you're, you know, tuning in on YouTube, you know that we didn't stream uh, this week um, because that uh, the reason for that is because next week we will be streaming the podcast on the Craig crash channel. Uh, My uh, personal Twitch page. Um, And then, of course, it'll still be uploaded and everything to YouTube and all that stuff. And then also, remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. Um, And we talked a little bit about, um, you know, or at least we've mentioned college football uh, before we went to uh, the break there. Uh, But we're going to talk more college football now. Uh, as today or yesterday, if you're listening to this on the podcast side of things or the audio version of, of the podcast, the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners have um, basically uh, notified the Big 12 that they will not renew their media rights when they expire in 2025. They do intend on staying in the Big 12, but we will keep an eye on the college football landscape. Um, both schools are eyeing the SEC. Uh, who would need 11 of 14 schools to approve expansion? We're, I mean, obviously pretty certain that they would accept the the Sooners and the Longhorns with open arms. Um, but you know, I, I saw a meme uh, that encapsulated this move perfectly uh, and encapsulated my viewpoint on this move um, very perfectly. Um, it's. So when I when the news dropped today, um, Bleacher Report sent out their like typical like Twitter reacts to the Sooners and the Longhorns possibly leaving the Big 12 and or leaving the Big 12. They're pretty much certain they're going to leave. And it was the meme of Woody Harrelson crying, but using like hundred dollar bills to like wipe up his tears because the tweet was like, you know it's 2025 or you know it's 2030 and for the fifth year in a row uh the Texas Longhorns finished fourth in the SEC East and that's what it that's what it feels like i mean well i mean it really it feels like it because it is it's a money move of uh, you know over anything of quantity anything of quality or anything of quality anything of performance um because when you look at Texas especially Oklahoma has been better. I mean, Oklahoma. You know, they are three and three versus the SEC uh, during the college football playoff era. Those three wins, though, against Tennessee, Auburn, and Florida. Um, they're they're zero and three against Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. So some of the stronger SEC schools they have struggled against. Um, they have um, zero college football title appearances, um, and in those games, they've usually lost to um the the sec teams of the world um but when you look at texas especially and i understand that these are two schools that bring in a lot of money and that's the only reason this is happening it just kind of stinks because you see the sports world slowly but surely not prioritizing the quality they're putting on the field because they're like oh well they figured it out someone leaked a secret that we're gonna watch anyway so you might as well just go ahead and do what makes the most money rather than what you know puts out the best quality, forgetting that good quality will also equal likely more money. Um, so, I mean, you look at Texas that has really struggled to retain any sort of relevance since Mac Brown left. Only one Big 12 title appearance over the past decade. Zero uh, Big 12 titles. Zero college football playoff appearances. Uh, they've had, you know four or five different coaches, Will Muschamp, they had, uh, didn't they, they had uh, Max Strong, didn't they have him from Louisville, Um, you know, some, uh, Charlie, they, Strong. Charlie Strong, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting my Texas coaches' names mixed up, but yeah, I mean, you have all these, you know, different coaches that have passed through Texas, you know, you're really, I mean, I can't even think of the last, like, Texas, like, prospect that has come out i mean obviously we have sam ellinger but like when's the last time we had like you you had a player you were excited about coming out of texas for the nfl draft Sam macho um, yeah that's a good one um but i mean that's really it though it's not like you can name yeah. five off the top of your head um and so it's samuel Cosme. <laughs> i was excited about him um but it's just um I, I don't. I think this actually makes Texas possibly more. Like it, it, it's. It's not a good. It, it, it could lead to better recruiting, but I, I don't see. Think so. But I see. Oh, I, I mean, I just said it could. It it, it might not either. But I see. Because, I mean, you look at the schools that have that have migrated uh, to other conferences from the Big 12. Colorado, I mean, they struggled in the Big 12. They've struggled in the Pac 12, whatever. They've actually been Colorado better than Colorado. Colorado hasn't
1: been the same team, though, since the early 90s with Cornell Stewart.
0: Right. So, let's miss.
1: Um, I mean, Mizzou,
0: Mizzou was like almost pretty much fresh off being in the Big 12 title game with Chase Daniel. They had Jeremy Macklin. Uh, on that team. They were actually on the up and up. They moved to the SEC and they've been pretty irrelevant. I don't think Texas will be. I mean, I'm not saying Texas is going to be wiped completely off the map and be irrelevant, oh, but, gosh, no. but it's they're still
1: Texas and they still play. They're still from the state of Texas.
0: Right. They're never so, going to be irrelevant. But it's just the fact that they're not going to be like this doesn't get them closer to a college football playoff. This doesn't get them closer to a conference championship. This because doesn't get honestly,
1: them. In my opinion, I don't even think they're the best Texas school in the SEC.
0: Right, Texas A and M is the only school that that moved to the SEC that has really flourished since moving over to that conference. Um, Mm. They because then when they were at the kind of tail end of their Big Twelve run, they were you know you know towards the bottom of the league and and let's throw in the fact that the Big Twelve. With Texas not being relevant, it's not like there have been four or five amazing schools. I mean, this is a Big 12 conference where, yeah, West Virginia, but West Virginia hasn't been the same in years. You have, you know, Baylor has been off and on. TCU has been off and on. Oklahoma State has been off and on. I mean, there's not been, you know, there's not a school every year besides Oklahoma that you say, okay, this is a team that can compete it's just after the first couple of weeks you kind of know okay this year it's iowa state's turn this year it's texas you know it's texas's turn this year it's baylor's turn to be the team that challenges oklahoma it's not been a conference that has you know consistently been good it's 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 one of those conferences like the big 10 and like we've talked about in other shows where you know if Team X doesn't win the conference, they don't go to the college football playoff. I don't even know the year that Texas played Oklahoma in the year that they went to the college or the year that they went to the Big 12 championship game if Texas would have even made the uh, college football playoff had they beat Oklahoma. So I think it was like 2017 or 2018. So I doubt they they would have even made it. So, I mean,
1: I don't even think Oklahoma made it that year.
0: It's a bad move um from a on the field aspect it is just a shame that that's not what anybody's taking into consideration it's only about the dollar signs which i mean i understand you know obviously is a product of of the times product of you know kind of the world we live in now but um i i I don't know i i i'm i'm not surprised at the move But it's just it's a head scratcher if you just think about it from the purely like on the field aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I I mean, from the SEC standpoint, this makes sense because you're getting a bigger foothold now in uh, Texas. And I know people are like, "Well, this is just the rich getting richer," but and technically, money wise, the Big Ten is king. Money-wise, when it comes to how much each of their their schools are making and all of that, um, and the SEC has been playing catch up, and by adding Texas and Oklahoma, this now pulls the SEC almost even with the Big Ten. My question is, how does this work out with Texas and their own TV network? You know. Yeah because the SEC well, has its own TV network so is the SEC network going to want to compete with the Longhorn Network well they're both here in the we SBN. are saying that we're talking about them to the SEC that's not a, a done deal you got to remember 11 of the 14 SEC schools have to approve this so I can tell you right now Texas A&;M is saying nope we do we want to be the only Texas school in the SEC so no we're denying this Missouri is probably going to say no to it as well, because that's just going to add even more tough teams to there. And they, they play in the the weaker of the two divisions right now, as it is in the sec. And they'll most likely have to face Texas and Oklahoma. So they may turn it down. And if I had to guess Vanderbilt would be another one that may turn it down because Vanderbilt is like one of the original, original sec schools and, could potentially see some writing on the wall there of what m- could potentially be looming. Um, my biggest concern, I don't, there's no, this is just a concern that I have that I was talking to, I saw some other people talking about it and it was like, Hmm, this makes sense. Um, kind of postured alongside with the, the new NIL rules that have come about. And there's always also have been some rumblings that, Ohio state has reached out to the sec. Don't know how legitimate those are, but at the same time, we didn't think Texas and Oklahoma, the rumors were legitimate either. Um, but you know, there was more people reporting that I think a few people have come out and said, uh, about Ohio state. So that's probably not as legitimate as these other rumors, but my big concern is that these big name programs are going to come together in the SEC, having to potentially boot out people like Vanderbilt, South Carolina, uh, Kentucky, Missouri, and create their own mega conference of just the all the, the best of the best, the Clemsons, the Ohio states, the Michigans, the Penn States, the Florida states, the Miami's, you know the big dollar programs, and basically pick themselves up and leave the NCAA and start basically their own league where they all contend against each other and have their own championship. Now, I don't know how that would work for other sports per se, because there's no way that type of conference or whatever it may be, or league could contend whatsoever with the, uh, with March madness. Right. Um, Because if you look at some of the big, Blue the big programs in basketball. Yeah, you got Michigan there, and you got Texas, but I mean, who else? Ohio State to an extent. In? Okay, Ohio State, Michigan, and Texas are probably about your only ones. I mean, USC every so often, maybe Clemson know, every one. so often. Yeah, so yeah. it's like that would be a tough. That would be tough. And, you know, there's a lot of logistics there, but the reason that this would be a potential concern is that. Because if you look at what the NFL's TV deal is, it's like third, it's like 3 billion or 30. It's, it's something outrageous. It's in the billions. And this, like a league of the best teams like this could potentially bring in a TV deal it, on par with the NFL. And because of the NIL rulings and everything, so the, these players could technically then begin to make a salary from the TV deals, and
0: yeah, because it could honestly be something where in that scenario. Now, I I don't necessarily know that it'll be a doomsday scenario like that. I don't. That know would that leave
1: that would leave because they like Purdue and IU like without a conference essentially the Wisconsin. So, you know, these like Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, because let's all be honest, Nebraska is not getting an invite no matter how good they think they are. Um, But those types of programs are left in a lurch. So are you now then throwing, like, are all those schools going to come to like go to like smaller conferences that would contend for uh, a college football national championship or an NCAA national championship and then who do we say is would be a legit national champion? I don't know. I know this is like way off the rails, but it is something that has been floated out there, at least in the universe by people. I don't think it's going to happen. I think honestly, what's ultimately going to happen is you're going to see four 16 team power conferences more so. And I think that's more likely because let's be honest. Yeah, I know Ohio State's probably sick and tired of having to share their piece of the pie with Rutgers in the Big Ten. Hmm. But Ohio State's piece of the pie is still bigger than anybody else's in the SEC. So, yeah. I, but I at the same time, how, are you, how, are, how is like the Big Ten now going to create more money? But at the same time, like somebody else said, when it comes to conference expansion now compared to last time, last time it was all about getting into TV markets, TV markets, TV markets. TV markets don't matter anymore because somebody in Utah can watch every one of their favorite Big 10 teams because of streaming. You can yeah. stream now, so it doesn't really matter. So now you got to start looking at okay, land area and what how many households have TVs in them. So let's look at places, you know, we'll, we'll get into like what's next, but you got you that's what you kind of have to look at now is not just Well, you know, this T V market is one of the best and we could, you know, but you gotta look at okay, the population wise, how many TVs are there per household that could, you know, that people may watch us on through streaming?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. And as far as like the whole like doomsday like scenario that you kind of mapped out, I mean, the way that I see that happening is those are all big enough college football powers to where they could just say F basketball. We don't, we don't, we'll, we'll put it, we'll put a product out there. Like maybe a couple weeks after March madness or, you know, but even before March well, madness, like during conference, cha-
1: big into basketball, like Michigan, like Ohio state, well, they'll just,
0: the, and they'll just dominate. And the people that we're going to watch are going to watch anyway. I mean, that, that's that's how it's because what I'm saying is football is going to be so big. It's kind of like how Kentucky doesn't care that they're bad at basketball or bad at football because they're good at basketball. Like they're like, okay, fine, we'll be the laughing stock of the SEC for three months, and then we'll go dominate every single college basketball game. Like
1: it, it, th- honestly, it could come down to it is it, these conferences turn into football only conferences and your original conference allegiance lies still within basketball. I mean, but we, how I, are you we going to do that at the air.
0: NCAA? If they, if they secede from the NCAA though, how are Cause I can't see the NCAA being like, okay, come on back. You guys can play basketball with us. Like, how are you, how would they be able to reconcile that now? Unless you're talking about the whole NCAA, like dissolving well, as an organization, which I, I don't think I would happen. Not. Yeah, I was gonna say, I hope not for your sake, Scott. I don't know. Were you heard it here first? Be Scott says the NCAA is folding. Um God, no. no, 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 no. Um but yeah. well,
1: no, I mean Mark Emmert has come out like, when the in the with the NIL ruling, he did come out and, and say, you know, yeah, the, the the landscape is changing and the NCAA needs to have more hands off in these types of situations. Basically, because of nil they, they were like we don't want to make rules and you know we're going to allow the conferences and the individual states to make their own rules on these and govern it but he's, has you know wanting like, and and that's the way that's i mean that's the just the changing of the landscape altogether. i mean that's a big reason why when you look at the statement that texas and oklahoma put out saying that hey you know what yeah 2025 is when we're gonna we're gonna be free agents Wink wink. You know, we all know that they're most likely not, but you know, but they they put a caveat there by saying, but we will be what looking at the uh the evolving landscape of college football and see where it goes from there because it all basically the Big Twelve over the next two years could all just completely fall apart before uh 2025 or you know that all the the broadcast partners can see the writing on the wall and say nope we're dumping you and we're going with these guys over here instead so then you know they they join sooner that's the type of stuff that you know They're i i think
0: yeah i mean i i I, maybe that's heck maybe that's why oklahoma and texas did this so soon too because i mean this is like four or five years out so like you know I, I could see that as being the reason why they did it now because then these other you know these other schools are going to jump for what's secure because now there's going to be other you know conferences that are going to be co- come calling because we can go ahead and move into the next part which is you know what happens next um you know as far as um, as far as college football landscape actually know one more thing I wanted to say um, about well actually never mind it's it's encapsulated in the next part never mind um so You know, looking at what's next, um, you know, for college football as far as this, because I think you and I are both in agreement on the writing on the wall is that the Big 12 is going to be no longer here in the next few years. We're looking at the last years um, of the Big 12. Um, And I think, you know, as it dissolves, it's going to create a feeding frenzy. And that's why I think that maybe Texas and Oklahoma did this so soon, is because that feeding frenzy begins early enough then they don't have to pay you know the 75 million dollars or whatever it is to exit early and they can make it's something million. like yeah so i mean Seven. i can see because yeah. it's, it's kind of funny because a couple of weeks you know about a month or so ago you know when chris you know simmons filled in on the podcast we talked about you know the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams and how it was a great format and all that stuff and so it's almost like both of the things that I thought could happen, like because I was like, "Here's what I want to have happen with the college football playoff: I either want there to be an expansion, or I want you to finally just admit that like we're gonna just go down to four conferences and just whoever wins those four conferences are gonna make the four. Because at least at that point, the conference schedule and the conference championship game actually means something. Because if you win it, you're into the you're into the college football playoff, um, and you just eliminate the playoff committee altogether. Um, so it's kind of both scenarios coming true because I do agree with you that I think the most likely scenario is we just see four major conferences. um, And then, yeah, they may go to a 12 team format just to fit other teams in there. So you literally have four, the four conference champions, one group of five champion, and then, you know, uh, seven at larges. which that number may go from 12 to less than that. If there's only four conferences. Um, But I mean, I could see um, Iowa State going to the Big Ten. I could mm-hmm. see West Virginia going to the ACC, which I honestly like better for West Virginia. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The well,
1: ACC is essentially like the, uh, the old, old Big, Big East. East. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I would I would love to see some of those games pick up. Um, how are are the is the Pac-12 the like Ball State Village equivalent of the Chug? Pretty much. Because they the Pac twelve of all the conferences that could potentially dissolve, how is it not the Pac twelve? The Pac twelve I but you know, because I you know, looking at you know, at least the Big Twelve has been a little bit more relevant because they have Oklahoma, um as far as the football side of it's concerned, but you know, regardless, the Pac twelve um is going to pick up a few stragglers, I'm sure, possibly BYU. So I think it does and for those wait, of you who wait, don't BYU's
1: know. is not in the Big Twelve.
0: I know, but I'm just saying they're a school that the Pac-12 could get in this feeding frenzy Honestly, because if, they're, an, they're an independent. And you so also set up that rivalry with, um with you pick up that BYU-Utah rivalry again, yeah, which could right. bring in some good Honestly, stuff.
1: Honestly, if the Pac-12 is going to pick up anybody, uh, the schools that I, I look for them to potentially pick up,
0: TCU. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying that BYU is going to be the only team they get. I'm just yeah. saying that, that they're like in in addition to expanding the conference, they will. I would, wouldn't be surprised if they target an independent like BYU because, uh, one of my buddies at in Indiana SRN, Sean Kroll, was talking about what the Big Ten could do and potentially wooing Notre Dame. Um, so like, I, I can see, I mean, probably not, but I could see. Well, I mean, it might if we're talking about. Hey, no, there's only if, four if we're honestly, talking if we're talking four conferences and that's the only way you get in the college football playoff is ATC being a part has of the inside track on that one. Well, that's true. That's true too. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Um but yeah, so I could see that kind of happening. Just for you those of you who don't know, the Chug has been the the entire village at Ball State, you know, the bar scene has all changed completely since B. Scott and I were in college, save for one bar, and that's the Chug, and it's a basement, danky, just kind of hole in the wall bar, and it still survived. It's like a, it's like gonna survive a nuclear holocaust. Well, so that's, that's what we mean, gotta go because it is a- <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, so you know, I think we're gonna see all these teams jump ship. We're gonna see a four conference landscape, and honestly, at that point, I would almost be a, uh, you know, I would almost be in favor of even then splitting, you know, that those four conferences off from the rest of the you know the FBS and just making that just one big thing and doing the relegation uh you know plan we've talked about you know probably like the first year of the podcast. So um you know I feel like,
1: I, I feel like before we go any farther on conference realignment we almost need to bring B Pope in because I mean this <laughs> yeah. was
0: his bread like, and
1: butter. Oh my gosh, is this must be a dream come true right now.
0: For him. <laughs> All the conference realignment. Oh, Every no, so- week. Everywhere. speaking speaking of that though you brought up something earlier and I just remembered that I wanted to mention this what do you do with Oklahoma and Texas as far as what uh, like what side of the SEC are they on do you put right, them on opposite sides well, right right all but I mean do you do you put them on the same side so they definitely play every year or do you put them on opposite sides so you could potentially get because can't you get Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten championship game
1: No not right now
0: okay so They're well
1: then east
0: i got gotcha. you.
1: well honestly that's- i can tell you with the big 10 it would definitely realign for sure you're gonna have most likely um indiana would come over to the the west michigan my, i don't know i don't it's so confused i guess i don't really under i don't really know yeah. how it would work out but like right now there's no rhyme or reason in the sec either like Missouri plays, Mizzou plays in the SEC East. East. Yeah. Like, wait, what? <laughs> they have to travel yeah. over everybody to get to all their road games. Um, and everybody has to travel over the West to get to Mizzou. Makes zero sense. But honestly, I think like the big, the two big schools that stand out the most right now for the Big Ten, obviously there are, there has been reports that um, the Big Ten and Oklahoma State have been in talks. Um, that one makes sense not just on a football level, Oklahoma state, you know, they're up there always in football. Are they the big, sexy name? No, because guess what? There are no big sexy names available anymore that, you know, that may be going somewhere. And don't listen to Colin Coward. He just put out a couple hours ago that he believes a good fit for the big 10 USC.
0: Oh my God.
1: No. no, because people in the Big Ten are already like, hey, the, the cost of travel for our teams is already through the roof. So adding USC just makes zero sense on that level. Well, nobody's talking about the, the Pac-12 dissolving. Nobody's talking about that. Um, Oklahoma State just makes sense on every level because their football program is consistently up there in the top 15 um, you're not bringing in a doormat like Maryland or Rutgers, which was a big old swing in the miss, just because you needed those cable markets. But Oklahoma State makes sense in football. Oklahoma State makes some sense in basketball. I mean, heck, Brad Underwood, the coach at Illinois, used to be the head coach at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has, you know, been to more Final Fours recently than, I mean, they've been to a couple Final Fours here in the last um, 21 years. So, you know, there, there's that. And then if you look at – This is way off the wall, but they actually have a program that has been wanting to join the Big Ten, like we were talking off air, their wrestling program. Oklahoma State has one of the best wrestling programs in the entire country, historically. And their biggest competitor, I mean, this past year, the 2021 Big 12 champions, they were co-champions, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's gone. So Oklahoma is probably going to end up like in the SoCon now, which is going to be ridiculous. I'm, I'm sorry, Campbell. I'm sorry, App State. And here comes Oklahoma. Good luck with that. Kind of like Mizzou, <laughs> joining, Mizzou joining the Mac <laughs> way back. Um, yeah. And sorry, Mizzou. He just rejoined the Big 12 and the Big 12 is going away. Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could see, you know, Oklahoma State's wanted to join the Big Ten for a while. Uh, their head coach John Smith believes that, you know, the Big Ten—I mean, the Big Ten—is king when it comes to wrestling. So if you can get Oklahoma State in there for wrestling, boom—you automatically got rivals set up in um, Oklahoma State and Iowa. And if you bring in Iowa State as well, hey, look at that—another top-tier wrestling program. You got Iowa, Iowa State. It's already a big rivalry on that on the mat. And on the football field and on the basketball court. So, those are the two that I feel like are the best fits for the Big Ten. Everybody keeps screaming, Kansas, Kansas, Kansas. No, no, no. Kansas does not need to be coming to the Big 10 But like, but their basketball fits it. Well, guess what? Kansas cheats. Um, right. so <laughs> where would
0: Kansas go, though? Like, <clears throat> realistically, where would Kansas go? I mean, I know we don't, maybe, we might not care, uh, but like, well, where? I, th- I mean, I guess it's not any further than, you know, some of the places um, there to go, but um, I guess the mountain West, right? But they probably want to, well, I guess they, I guess theoretically they might have a better chance the at going American to a
1: athletic conference.
0: Yeah. I was going to say they might have a, <laughs> the American athletic conference is just a jumble of like all the Island of misfit toys, what like schools. You
1: think it, the AAC football wise. Kansas might have a better football program then. Yeah. Um, I mean, not great because look, Cincinnati's up and coming. You got UCF, you got USF, you got Houston, you know, you have all those, but on the basketball front, that is a very good basketball conference as well with Cincinnati, with uh, Houston, Houston. (laughs) I mean, they're alone. There's a, a rival you could have set up immediately. So I think, I think Kansas could potentially be an odd man out from the P five standpoint in football,
0: which I mean, I don't good think good they care because about because they
1: it. already yeah. are an odd man out when it comes to P five football. They're, they're worse than G some of the greater opponents. I mean, it's, it's bad in Kansas. And they had that one good year with a Talib, to leave. And that was about
0: yeah. it. Todd um, racing. Good old Todd racing. Mark Mangino as the coach. Those, All
1: did was sit. I just feel like he sat on the sidelines and went through ten buckets of KFC a game.
0: <laughs> okay, um, so, oh well, wait, what do you want to add on that, B Scott? I, I do like the the West Virginia to the
1: ACC. Um, if things kind of got, I mean, Notre Dame is be the other team to add to the ACC. If things got really so crazy, th- does the Cincinnati ACC ha- be
0: a team. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I was going to say, does the ACC have an odd number of? Of teams in normal years because when I went, I because I went through and counted because with Oklahoma and Texas, the SEC would have 16 teams. So I was right. like, how many does the ACC have? And the ACC last year had 14. Was there a team that op- opted out? Because they that no, was they with the addition,
1: year, they, they
0: usually have 13. Okay, that's what that, that's what I was curious about. So that's kind of so I mean, heck, they have yeah,
1: three, but at the same time, there's also talk that the Big Ten is looking to potentially raid the ACC as well and try to get Notre Dame. Uh, But the other big target for them is North Carolina to kind of extend their footprint. North Carolina fits what the big 10 looks for. North Carolina is a strong academic school. They have a research program. They are AAU accredited. They have solid basketball and their football program is on solid footing and rising. So it, if if everything goes to hell and just goes absolutely nuts, and we basically have the Big Ten across, if it's Big Ten and SEC only, we're looking at. I think North Carolina would be on the, the docket for um, the Big Ten. Yeah,
0: this this is giving me kind of flashbacks to to college uh, Cardinal College Game Day and the b Pope days because I remember I remember back when we were talking about that first wave of conference realignment, we were like Boise State to the Big East to TCU ball is going to to the big East balls. Yeah. Ball state to the big 10.
1: What's going to really? happen. So, I mean, no, but the thing is when we were talking about it, then we were thinking, Oh my gosh, like all these, what ifs, but the big what ifs at the time were what is Texas and what is Oklahoma going to do? Those were always the two big dominoes. They were like, we are here. We are big 12. But now that these big dominoes are falling, it's like you know they call it crazy season, the off season in IndyCar. We're or silly season. We're gonna get into silly season here with uh, college football or college uh, conference expansion. This this is going to get out of control in a hurry because the Big Ten is now going to be scrambling yeah. essentially.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um okay, so before we move on to the NBA, I want to see if you can see this. Can you see this B Scott on your Oh, you're not going to be able to, are you? Dang it. Okay, never mind. I want to do that on the air, uh but uh I don't know that we'll be able to. Um because What my, is it? Okay, yeah, yeah there oh. we go. I hold it in the right spot. Okay. These are I don't Ah, come yeah, on. Hold kind of. oh, Well, here, let me just you for the it, time Put it
1: in front of your face. Put it in front of your face.
0: Oh yeah, that's a good idea. You're you're a smart, man, B Scott. These are our two perspective logos. Uh, for three C media. It your face. I'm trying I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh so there the top go. one is three C media just with the eye normal and then the three C media on the bottom has the I as a headphone jack. Can you see that? Okay, I'm trying so to- maybe they
1: both look like that.
0: Well, oh, can you wait, not- wait, wait. Yeah, the- can you see oh, the bottom see a little it. bit more?
1: No,
0: I see it. Yeah, I see it. Okay. So which one you think would be Scott? The headphone jack one.
1: Mm, I like the top one. You like the top one? I do like the top one because the bottom one kind of reminds me of Jeff Bezos' uh, Rocket. Ship.
0: <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Well, so uh, I wanted to do that on the air because uh, Mayor, uh, our uh, logo editor or logo designer, has been killing it. And uh, so that's going to be, you just caught a sneak peek of our uh, 3C Media logo that we're going to be unveiling here uh, in the next week or so. So uh, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, you just got a glimpse. If you didn't, go on over to the YouTube channel and check out me holding up a grainy picture of my, uh, of my phone uh, in front of my face so B. Scott can help me pick the logo real quick. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, let's go ahead and uh, talk about the NBA season as it has wrapped up. The Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA Finals 4-2 to over the Phoenix Suns. Game 1, Chris Paul scores 32 points as he fuels the Suns to a 118-105 win. Game 2, the Suns hit 23s in a 118-108 win. Devin Booker hits 7 of those, scoring 31. It looks like the Suns are going to easily Cruz to their first uh, NBA title, um, but then in Game Three, Giannis scores 41 points, has 13 rebounds, as the Bucks win 120 to 100. In Game Four, the Bucks outscore the Suns 33 to 21 in the fourth to eke out a 103 or not 109 to 103 win. Giannis scores 32 in back to in a back and forth Game Five, uh, 123 to 119, Milwaukee wins, and finally in Game Six. Milwaukee wins its fourth in a row to clinch the series. Giannis scores 50 points, giving the bucks their first title in 50 years. Giannis ends up taking home MVP honors uh, scoring, um, you know, 35 points and 13 rebounds uh, per game. Um, And this was an awesome series. I'll admit I didn't see a lot of it because some of it happened, you know, in moving prep and during moving time uh, for me. Uh, But, you know, it's first of all, hats off to the Milwaukee Bucks, a very resilient team. I mean, this is a team that had that, you know, for the second time this postseason came back from a 2-0 and deficit, which you kind of thought they were dead in the water because they were down 2 nothing to the Nets. They win four straight there. Or no, they win four or five because they won that one in seven. And then this time they were down 0-2 and then they come back, win four straight, go on a big run, um, you know. The you know, small market Midwest teams rejoice. I make the Midwest distinction because obviously we're going to talk about the Pacers. Um, and I looked it up. Giannis is locked up through 2026, uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, his contract understandably gets very albatross as uh time goes along. Ob- you know, obviously, those a little back- restructure, he's oh, not yeah. going
1: anywhere, uh, guys. For- He's not going anywhere. He's going to retire a Milwaukee Buck. I Which,
0: guarantee it. which is fantastic for the NBA and fantastic for the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, uh, but the great thing too is that almost everyone from that title team is under contract to return in 2021, 2022. Um, I think that makes them easy East favorites for next season. Um, and so I think, heck, you know what? You know, it's kind of alludes to what I'm going to talk about uh, when we get to hot or cold. But uh, you know, it would be fun if they made a statement and brought in another superstar. I mean, not saying they should shake anything up. B Scott, let me say the fun thing, and then you can be Debbie Downer, okay? (laughs) Jesus, Um, (laughs) it would be fun if they you know made a statement and brought in a superstar. The reason I say that is because we talk. We, you know, for 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 the duration of this podcast, we have brought up big names on on the potential way to the Indiana Pacers, and that conversation has always ended with like, "Oh, it was fun having that conversation of like why it'd be cool if LeBron came or why it'd be cool if KD came." But at the end of the day, you know, we knew it wasn't going to happen, and I mean, those two things probably still won't happen. But um, you know, it was always that like kind of finishing statement of, "Well." You know, the Pacers are a small market team, and no superstar wants to play for a small market because it's 1950, and the only reason to get recognized is if you play in a big TV market, you can't go be successful in Milwaukee. You can't go be successful in Indiana. You got to go to New York or L.A. And so, like, or, you know, even if you want to stretch that out a little bit, you know, Miami, you know, California, you know, somewhere like that is where you'd have to go to uh, to be able to, um, you know, succeed. That was the thought process. So it would be cool uh, to see them go out and get somebody, not to necessarily shake up the chemistry that they have. But I'm sure there's a couple pieces that they could make work out. You know, uh, you know, contract wise. I'm not saying make a move just for the sake of making a move. I'm just saying if if the if there's a guy out there that if there's a way you can improve the team somehow, and it just so happened to be a big name player, just to show like, hey, you know what? You could, we can have two, you know, two, three superstars in Milwaukee, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and be a successful NBA team. I mean, heck, I mean, you know, imagine if they went out and traded for Doncic, who, um, because right now, right now, um, Doncic is, is only set to make like 10 million and Milwaukee's already like, you know, in the luxury tax. So they can't like add anybody like Dame or anybody like that. But I mean, You know, let's say they went out and got like a Luca who's a superstar, but on the cheap at the moment, you know, because people are wondering, you know, what his future may be in Dallas, which I I understand that'd be small market on small market crime. But at the same time, I mean, imagine if something like that were to happen, um, you know, because winning as a small market team in today's NBA in my opinion, is almost akin to a group of five school winning the college football playoff. Like, you know, you talk about how cool it would be, but you're always like, it'll never happen. And I mean, obviously, it was more likely to happen, you know, in the NBA than it would be in college football. But you understand kind of the symbolism there where, like, it's something that a couple years ago seemed like, you know, hey, it's, you know, a small market team. May not be able to, you know, contend of, uh, you know, for a while as long as this, you know, super team fad goes on. And now I think this year proved. Now you could make the mention of, oh well, Craig, if they add Luca or if they add another superstar, they wouldn't that technically be a super team? I thought this was supposed to beat that. No, it's supposed to be the the idea of you don't have to be to, you know, to allure a big time free agent, a big time trade. You don't have to be in L. A. in right. New York. You can be a small market team and do that. And I think that's what this does uh, for the rest of the NBA. It opens everybody's eyes to like, oh, it, or e- even for the player standpoint, they're like, oh, you know what? I want to go team up with Giannis in Milwaukee. I, I mean, Giannis is going to be there. I want to I want to get a ring. Okay, I'm going to team up with Giannis instead of going to L.A. to be with LeBron and get, you know, you, you know overshadowed by LeBron the whole time. Let me go get overshadowed by Giannis. And, you know, potentially go win a ring. So I, I'm excited for what this means for small market teams.
1: Yeah, I am too. I mean, like, um, I, I just, I feel like Milwaukee kind of set a blueprint. Because if you think about it, Milwaukee beat a super team to get there. Yeah. They beat the Nets. Oh, but the Nets were banged up. Well, guess what? The Nets are always going to be banged up because they got Kyrie and,
0: and KD. <laughs>
1: and KD. I mean, that's just the way they're going to beat. I mean, look. We're we're seeing Blake Griffin (laughs) and Blake Griffin and DeAndre (laughs) Jordan. But we are seeing firsthand that these guys on these super teams aren't becoming the best, aren't really the best players anymore. I mean, look at team USA, for instance, these are the guys that all want to team up together and win NBA championships. They can't even beat France (laughs) in the Olympics. They lost to Nigeria. (laughs) <laughs> in an exhibition game, Nigeria. Let, yeah. I'm just going to let that one sink in for a second. But
0: is I, I, isn't I that think, like the team that like a couple years ago that we like beat by like a hundred or something like that?
1: Yeah. And they, they got a bunch of, I mean, they do have guys that are in the NBA, but they're all like bench dwellers. Um, I think like their be- biggest name is like Jordan Norwa or something. I, I think. It was actually a name I recognized. I was like, "Oh, I actually recognize that name." But they're <laughs> all NBA players, um, but yeah, I think this is good because look—you had the Phoenix Suns; they took out the the Lakers. You had the Bucks took out the Nets. Guys, team chemistry means something. The ability to come to all come together and have a common goal in mind is huge. what the the difference is for these super teams is that these super teams, they are all about their, these guys are about their brand. Whereas Giannis, he doesn't care about his personal brand. He really doesn't. I mean, this is a guy that was drafted, I think like 12th or 13th when he was drafted. And, you know, he had some moments where it was like, do I really want to stay here in Milwaukee? I mean, there was even a time where it was like rumors that he was re- going to request a trade. He decided not to, decided to stick it out. And look, the team came together. I mean, it was a hodgepodge of players. Let's, let's be honest. Like Chris Middleton was, has been a journeyman of, of sense. Yeah, he's been with the Bucs a while, but he uh, getting with the Bucs kind of resurrected his career. I mean, he was all over. He was in the G League and different things like that. Bobby Portis, another, you know, he was a, bit, he was a, a hero in game six um Brooke Lopez I believe is the, the Lopez brother on yeah. uh, the Bucks. I mean look a lot of these guys have been around the league and none of them were big I mean probably I mean Giannis was a heralded kind of a heralded player but he was a late like a an outskirt lottery pick player mm-hmm. and so he wasn't all that heralded and then, you know, I think Brooke Lopez was a little bit more him and Robin. They were pretty sought after in the draft. But even I mean, it's, it's just kind of like they were overshadowed and everything. This was a team essentially of NBA misfits. And that's what a lot of these small markets are. But guess what? Sh- they they pr- have proven to the world that it does not matter when you get where you get drafted, you know, how big of a name you are. Like, Let's be honest. Were any of us talking about Bobby Portis prior to the finals? Nope. But guess what? Bobby Portis is now a household name. And honestly, I I I really want to know what the the TV ratings were like because I feel so because I feel I, like for me, did I tune into every game? No, because I, I didn't have time to tune into every game. But I watched. I actually was like, I found myself wanting to watch. Because it wasn't the same old, same old. It was totally different. So I feel like these TV ratings had to have been decent for two small market teams going at it. Just because there was the you know the non-LeBron people that were that are just so sick and tired of seeing him constantly that were like, I'm actually intrigued and I actually want to watch this. Like me.
0: Yeah, I, I remember because the M, um, MLB put out a. A uh, uh, post that, oh hey, game six of the World Series, uh, actually outrated, um, game six of the NBA Finals, um. So that's Dodgers, right? Dodgers and Dodgers and Rays, and uh, and people in the comments were actually roasting the MLB because they're like, you do understand that like this was two small market NBA teams, um, and you had LA. And yeah. still barely, you know, I, I, and so I think it was like 12.7 to like 12 point, you know, 12.4 or something like that. Like it, it was, they were similar in numbers. Um, but I mean, so I don't, I mean, is, is it going to go down as the most viewed NBA finals of all time? No, but I no. think, but no. I think the ratings were still good. I think, and I think you're going to, you know, the more you, it's, it's just kind of like what we talk about in college football sometimes, like the more you disperse. The talent, the more teams you can get into the fold, the more popular you're going to get, the more fans you're going to get, the more you're going to grow your sport, the more eyes you're going to have on the NBA Finals. Because, like, heck, even when your team's not in it, if you have a storyline like what we had, then you're going to get people's eyeballs Mm -hmm. more than, well, well, you guys know that LeBron guy, right? He's in the title game again. Like, Yeah, again, for the 80th time, you want to see LeBron win for the 8 millionth time? Here you go. You guys like LeBron, right? All right, here you go. Like, no, as a fan, like that's why I was saying uh, back when we were previewing the series, like this is, you know, this is the casual fans' like time to shine because we're used to seeing, um, you know, every the casual fan get catered to. Uh, and now it's the diehard fans' time to shine, and 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 who actually you know cares if Milwaukee wins? Cares if you know the Phoenix Suns win? Who cares if Chris Paul gets a ring? Not those you know fans that are like, oh well, Steph's not in it this year. Oh, LeBron's not in it this year. I don't care. Then, like, why are we trying to cater to those people? Let's, I mean, let's let's do, get one for the diehard fans, and you finally got that this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What I, what I found funny is that LeBron was always sitting courtside. Like, he, like, positioned himself perfectly at courtside where he was going to be on TV. It's like, well, if I'm not going to be playing, I'm going to be shown in these finals.
0: I'm going I'm to be part of the NBA finals somehow. And
1: the thing is, like, when he like, – it was only in Phoenix. When, when they were in Phoenix, he was there. But it, what I hated is that because he was there, that's all they – they kept talking about it. LeBron's here LeBron's here it's like oh my gosh guys the storyline is not LeBron James the storyline is the Phoenix Suns rising superstar Devin Booker versus the Milwaukee Bucks and superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo and you know his it's just like come on and I that's what I, I got so sick and tired of like what like with ESPN in the morning they were still just like talking about LeBron and everything I'm like oh come on guys yeah. I guess I guess he pays the bills. So.
0: so let's go ahead before we wrap up here and get into hot or cold. That's where uh, we bring up a statement and say whether it's a hot take or a cold take. Um, and normally we would do, do more of an NBA wrap-up for the season in general, but because it's such kind of not really a new thing, but because it's kind of something different this year, we are going to go ahead and just kind of dwell on this a little bit more, and that is the Bucks' title should change the way the Pacers and other small market teams attack the offseason. Now, most likely it would be cold for this season specifically. I'm going to tell you, though, why it should be a hot take, because, as I mentioned, super teams are no longer the surefire way to win a title. And because let's not forget, the last two out of the last three titles have really been small market teams, because we're not too long 2019 removed from Kawhi Leonard going to the Raptors and leading them to a title um and really I mean you know you can you know as far as like you know they and they beat a Warriors team that was a super team so I mean you know almost the same type of deal there uh and the Pacers are in a spot where you know they are a Dame Lillard Kawhi Leonard Uh, you know, away from title contention, Um, you know, the East is wide open, you know, I mean, yeah, the Bucks are going to be favorites, but I mean, that's kind of the beauty of the Eastern Conference there, you know, it's not so top heavy like the West is, but at the same time, or at least the West was, the West is even a little bit more open now, Um, but you know, it, it's finally kind of a, more of a situation because we talked about when LeBron went to L.A. Oh, well, it's wide open for the Pacers. Well, you know, the Pacers kind of fell back to back down to earth um, to, you know, behind the Milwaukee's, the 76ers, the the Heat, the Celtics. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the core is good. They would just need to add that extra firepower because I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, I I love the guy. He's, one, he's my favorite player on the Pacers, mm-hmm. but he's not – a Giannis level player. Uh, He's, you know, you had, you had for a time, Victor Oladipo, Victor Oladipo was never going to be the guy. He was going to be the guy for the small market Pacers, but he was never going to be, you know, uh, when you're never going to watch a matchup and be like, Oh, Victor Oladipo versus Giannis. Let's go watch that. Like, no Pacers bucks. You're going to see the Pacers come together as a team and beat a team like, you know, it'd a guy like Giannis. So, um, you know, the last time the Pacers, you know, really made a big splash in the draft and, ma- and got like real impact, and I mean like major impact guys. They've gotten some good players in the draft For the last time. You know, they those players kind of turned in on to like tr- turned out to be like superstar level players with Paul George in twenty ten, Miles Turner in twenty fifteen. So I mean, basically, what I'm getting to is we get closer and closer to the NBA draft conversation part of the podcast. Like, you know. Beautiful segue, I know. Um, yeah. But like you know, it, it's one of those things where like I think this this victory by the Bucks, I think, will impact at least one or two small market teams that maybe thinks like, hey, we've got a core, we got a solid core, we've got a player that could pair well with another, you know, somebody who's disgruntled in another city, a Luka, a Kawhi, a Dame. You know, uh, so maybe we can go out and get them. I mean, for you know, as far as the Pacers are concerned, like, hey, I mean, w- you know, you got the you got the space before you get to the cap. You you know, Miles Turner's been on the trade block. Why not go get Dame Lillard? Why not go get Kawhi? You know, it's been proven that you don't need to be, you know, in a major market to win a title. So that's all that I think. Because I mean, heck, the team that came to mind first uh, when I was thinking about this this morning was, hey, what about like? The Washington Wizards, could they go out and be like, hey, we can pair one of these guys with Russell Westbrook? Now, I would get what Russell Westbrook comes with his own baggage, and so that may not be the best comparison, but but you get what I'm saying. There's going to be another small market team that's like, hey, you know what? If we went out and got Lillard, Doncic, Kawhi, one of those guys, we've got a good enough core – Heck, maybe well, I mean the next are a bad example because they're a major market, but like you know, or the even the Hawks with Trey Young. Like you could go get somebody to pair in one of those smaller markets. I think those what those that's what some of those GMs might be thinking now. So I think it's a hot take. I think it, it shouldn't be something, you know, the Bucks winning the championship for anybody but the Bucks should not mean you change your entire plan. But I think it should definitely be something to where you're like, okay, this may change how free agency and the rest of the landscape goes for the next few years let's go ahead and maybe be a little bit more aggressive uh, when it comes to free agents be more aggressive when it comes to um when it comes to making trades because i think honestly especially these last 2 years when the college basketball season has been kind of wonky there's not really been a standout guy where you're like oh hey number 1 pick in the draft got to go get him you know there's really? not been I feel like the talent pool hasn't been as large because of the wonkiness of the past two college basketball seasons. So I think, I think the, of the sports, that's the sport where you, I think the word draft capital means almost the least. So you could maybe trade a couple of draft picks, trade a couple of player to go get a superstar, not give up too much to have your core and go out and be in contentional, go make it to an Eastern conference or an NBA final.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's a hot take because that's kind of what the Pacers are potentially looking at to do, looking at doing this year as well. They have said they're either wanting to trade up into the top 10 or trade out of the draft altogether to acquire some veteran leadership or acquire a veteran player. Um, Obviously, you know, they they don't they're not like trying to reach out to teams where they're going to have to sell the farm for like a Bradley Beal, who's making himself available for trades you know, they're looking at other options. Like I don't even think a Dame Lillard is potentially on the table. I'm looking more at like a CJ McCollum type player that's, yep. you know, going to make the team better or, um, you know, I, I, there's I that's just one of the names that comes to mind right now. Um, but, you know, we're, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but kind of just off the like, trade to kind of show you what the Pacers are potentially looking at, there's rumors that the Pacers are looking are talking to um, Golden State Warriors about trading Miles Turner. Essentially, what the Pacers would get in return is they would send Miles Turner to um, Golden State. The Pacers would then get the number seven pick, potentially the number fourteen pick, and Andrew Wiggins because they throw in Andrew Wiggins because basically they w- they would give us the seven pick for miles turner they want to get rid of andrew wiggins but in order to get rid of andrew wiggins they also have to throw in something else nice and shiny the 14th pick the pacers then would own seven 13 14 can turn those three picks and maybe one of their two second rounders into some into a, a potentially even a dame lillard if they wanted to there are options there for the pacers to be able to build that draft capital because guess what they're not they don't have the players to like okay we'll give you Miles Turner and Aaron holiday. Now you give us him, Damian Lillard in return. No, that, that's, that's never going to happen. But if like, okay, here's a handful of first round picks this year and Jeremy lamb, you know, then you're kind of, you're in the ballpark range for looking at what it could potentially, you, you potentially need to land a player of that type of caliber. Um, I think, with having rick carlisle on board it is the pacers are now showing that they are willing to make the moves necessary are they ever going to be a big game in the big free agency game no they're not right now they really can't either because their backs are up against the wall as far as uh like the cap goes so any moves that they make are going to have to be through trades obviously um so yeah, I think it's definitely a hot take. You know, you, what you need to do is build around the super the, the the big players you have now, and bring in some key pieces. They don't have to be big superstar names by any stretch of the imagination. They need to be guys that are going to make your team better, like like Chris Middleton's, like Bobby Portis's, like the Brooke Lopez's. Those types of players that are going to come in and work their butts off to win a championship because they don't, they're not entitled to the, the championship. You know, that's, that, those are the types of players the Pacers are going to need in order to keep going forward. Cause honestly, I believe that, um, you know, with, with a core of already having Malcolm Brogdon, Karis Levert, TJ Warren, and Domas Sabonis, you are a few pieces away from potentially being contenders. Now, obviously, you know, there's talk of potentially trading Malcolm Brogdon as well. And that may work to, to get a few other pieces. I don't know. There, there's going to be some shuffling. I believe that's going to happen. And it's for the better.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so speaking of the draft, um, so that is going to be, uh, this coming, what Thursday, is that Thursday. the 29th? Yep. So, uh, in preparation for that, um you know i was looking up you know who the pacers might be uh you know in the market of getting um and the indianapolis star had the at following 13. players at 13 right? at 13 15, yeah 15, okay. yeah the fall uh, according to the indy star the following players should be on the pacers radar um and we're going to rate them as hot or cold um so the first name on the list was Corey kispert out of gonzaga for me that's hot um he you know up until this past year he'd only averaged Averaged about twelve points, you know, for his career. But this past season is when he really broke out—nineteen points per game uh, this past season. Of course, Gonzaga goes on um, and plays for the NCAA tournament championship. Loses obviously to Baylor, but they still go all the way, you know, further than Gonzaga has really ever gotten. Um, You know, his player comp is Clay Thompson. um, You know, which is nice. I know. You know, uh, we talked about how we've talked about. You know, you know, big players.
1: um, another player comp, Doug McDermott.
0: Yeah. So I mean, those are players that the Pace have the Pacers have valued in the past. Um he is a career forty one po- uh forty one percent from beyond the arc. So I think that would be a good shooter uh to add to the roster. Um maybe even maybe even you know another player comp could be like bogey as far as his three point uh prowess. Um so yeah, I think that would be a good add. It's a hot it's a hot take for me.
1: Yeah, this was definitely a hot take, mostly because the Pacers also brought him in for a pre-draft workout. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's projected right around the 13 range. Um, not only is he a good shooter, but he, he's just a hard-nosed player. He plays hard, so he, he's going to play some defense as well. He's not super athletic, but that doesn't really hold him back because his, his motor is what... Uh, really helps him out in those situations where he's not as athletic. So I think it's a hot take as well, just mostly because the Pacers did bring him in for a workout. And he is projected right around that 13 range.
0: Yeah. Um, next person they threw out was uh Davion uh, Mitchell from Baylor. For me, that's cold, uh, average 14 points per game, 45% from beyond the arc this past season. So those numbers are good, but um, what his kind of, player evaluation you know in that player evaluation what was really kind of spoken out was uh his defense um but then also in that same vein the uh the uh summary you know from the guy who was pumping up davian mitchell was like well I mean, you know, his defense is strong, but his physical attributes may not translate to being a good defender in the NBA level. And I was like, wait, if that's his strongest, <laughs> if that's his strongest attribute, then why is it a liability once he makes it to the NBA? Um, that was according to NBA Draft Net. Um, so I, uh, you know, just a cold take for me. Whenever th- it reminds me, and I know there's a lot more uh, behind Quiddy Pie, uh, but that's what that uh, kind of. Uh, or could he Pay. That's what that kind of um, reminded me of. Of like, oh, he's got he's good physically. Who knows? Who knows what happens when he gets to the next level? Um, so yeah, it's a cold take for me for for Davion.
1: You know, I really want this to be a hot take because I feel like he, this is a player that could really excel with the Pacers. Um, good ball handler. It could really help. Um, it really help showcase Malcolm Brogdon's skill set as well um unfortunately i don't think he's gonna i'm gonna go cold because he's i don't think he's gonna be available at 13 for the pacers he is kind of rising up draft boards over the past week or so so i don't think he's gonna be available at 13 so that's why i'm gonna go with cold but honestly i think he's the type of player that would really do well in a rick carlisle system and uh, unfortunately he's not gonna be there
0: um. Next, uh, next is Keon Johnson from uh, Tennessee. For me, that's cold as well. He had a poor showing at the combine for what's that, for what that's worth. Um, but he was billed as kind of a peer project. Um, And just from the standpoint of, you know, I mean, I, and I understand, you know, it's like we talked in the NFL draft, literally everyone is technically a, pro, a project, but um, in the, well,
1: in the NBA in particular, if you're not the, not the top two picks, You're a project.
0: Right. right. Um, But I think if the Pacers are trying to contend this year – they don't want to waste a pick on someone who is going to be, you know, who is already being built as a project. Because I mean, some of the, some of those, uh, you know, guys they throw out for the draft, they, you know, talk them up, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, you could plug them in here and they'd be great. But no, they're already like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to wait a minute on this guy to develop. And I, and, and if this were a couple of years ago, I think the Pacers, this would be a hot move for the Pacers because you know that's that those were the. T- you know, types of players they were getting the Aaron holidays, the Azale Johnson's of the world. I know that was the same draft, but um, you know, th- that's what we, you know, those were the type of guys they were taking flyers on. And I think if they're trying to contend this year, that's not the kind of player they want to take a flyer on, especially not in the first round.
1: Yeah. Especially when they're talking about trading, wanting to move up into the top 10 or out altogether for a veteran player project is not who, what they're looking for right now um this is definitely a cold take mostly because being being taken at 13 would be a reach now that wouldn't be surprising because the pacers typically do that but it is a cold take just because I, I don't feel like he's the pacers would take him at 13.
0: now the final name on that list uh we well, not the final but i i talked, took the top four they had like i think eight names i was like yeah oh, we'll take the top half um Franz Wagner uh out of Michigan uh
1: Franz Wagner
0: Franz Wagner, Wagner. out of Michigan I did the I did the uh, Hillbilly Hillbilly version Franz Wagner Franz Wagner uh from Michigan um that for me is a hot take uh 12 points Uh, 33% from beyond the arc for his career. Uh, According to USA Today is the complete package of size, perimeter, shooting, and defense. So, you know, all those players we kind of mentioned before, you know, uh, he kind of has all of their attributes, uh, you know, as a more polished prospect. Um, He is listed as somebody who might be available there at 13. Uh, So for me, it's a hot take. Uh, You know, if the Pacers have an opportunity to get him, I think they should.
1: I'm going to say this is a hot take as well, but – it's kind of a lukewarm take because he is also one of those guys that's shooting up draft boards as well. And I don't think he's going to be available for the Pacers when they come around. There's looking at mock drafts, he's kind of landing right now around the 10 range. Um, And honestly, I believe Orlando is really high on him right now as well with one of their multiple top 10 picks. Um, So I, it's a lukewarm one just because he would be a good fit. And if he is available, he would be somebody that they they, they would take. Um, but it's not hot because I don't think he'll be available.
0: Yeah. So all in all, who do we think the Pacers are draft? I mean, I think that's kind of what, what we've outlined is kind of what I think, uh, you know, is going to happen. If, if Wagner is there, then he is the better of all those prospects we mentioned. Uh, but it's more likely uh, Kispert if uh, Wagner is off the board, because those are probably the two best choices. And honestly, two, honestly similar, at least from an offensive standpoint, two similar players. So you miss out on one guy, you get a guy who's at least pretty comparable uh, there, uh, you know, as the next man on the board for you.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Kispert as the option there. Ultimately, I don't believe the Pacers will be picking at 13. I think, there's going to be some movement. And if they are picking at 13, they really had a swing and a miss on a lot of opportunities. Um, But you know, if Wagner is there, they're, they're going to take them. I, I mean, they're going to, they're in a position where they have to take the best player available to them and it cannot be a project. And they know that they, they've had too many projects over the years that just haven't panned out. I mean, they're still not panning out. So they they're really in need of somebody that is going to be ready to go. What I mean, we are not looking at they're not looking they're not it's not like you need to be a starter from day one and be a superstar. No, they need somebody that can just contribute. And yeah. you know they haven't had a draft pick like that you know in a while that is able to be a legitimate contributor. I mean, I think Aaron Holiday is the closest thing they've had, and even then, everybody's like, okay. Time for him to go. He's got to go. It's, it's just not working. Um, Which is a bummer because, you know, he's actually able to contribute, but they just, they have to get better and a bit swinging and missing in the draft this year, whether it means they've missed out on trade opportunities or drafting a project that we're never going to hear from again um, are the two swing and miss things that could potentially haunt the Pacers.
0: You're always more. You're always way more cavalier about that than I am. I'm always afraid to like talk about trades because I feel like that just makes an already already like crazy mock draft situation like even like more daunting. Because you're like, oh well, yeah, trades exist, but might as well just go in order and (laughs) and do that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if they if they're picking at thirteen, they've already had a miss. Then if they also miss as far as their pick is concerned, that's not a good thing either. So and, and which is why like I don't understand why. Why the NBA? Like, I, I understand. Like, if you're trying to just add a piece, or like you have like one of the first few lottery picks, like then the NBA draft, you're like, okay, we're excited for this. But like, as far as like, I don't see why teams aren't more cavalier with trading their draft prospects or their draft uh, capital when trying to acquire other, you know, talent. Because it's like, dude, if it's not, you know, if it's not like you said, the top five lottery picks and you're not just trying to add a piece and you're already a contender, then what What are you even doing? You're just kind of taking a flyer on somebody.
1: Yeah, and this is a big reason why the Pacers have been kind of stuck in neutral, I feel like, for the past several years. They've been good enough to make the playoffs or close to it, but not bad enough to get a, a legitimate shot at, at a really good player in the draft. So it's just project after project after project after project. And they're just kind of stuck there spinning their tires.
0: Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course podcast. Thank you guys all for. Uh, tuning in. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. Uh, you can like us. You can follow us on Twitter at Crash Course FM. Go to our YouTube channel, Three C Media on YouTube, where you can not only catch this podcast every week, but you can also catch the MCT podcast. It's our YouTube exclusive. Um, those guys have been killing it. Some of our best videos on the channel. So go ahead and check them out. Um, and then remember that uh, starting next week, we'll be streaming at twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. That's where you'll be able to see the podcast live stream. So if you want to, you know, contribute, if you want to, you know, ask any questions, we are, you know, more than happy and more than willing and more than excited to, you know, engage with chat that way. Um, And then also remember you can listen every week on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the crash course podcast B Scott, where can they find you?
1: You can find me on Brandon underscore Scott 87 on Twitter. Uh, Yeah. That's
0: about it. So next week we will be talking. uh, We're going to be talking some baseball, I know for sure. We're going to be talking about what was on the docket before the Oklahoma news broke today, which was the uh, the Cleveland Guardians. We're going to hop into that. We're also going to be (laughs) – dude it honestly real quick if they had embraced that i that would have been way better if they're like we uh, the logo's just star lord's mask like that would be incredible um and just a we're, big we're opportunity gonna,
1: I, I will i will kind of preview this they may potentially have to fight another team for the in cleveland for the the guardian's name
0: really all right in well cleveland, I'll just perfect. leave, I'll say let say, perfect teaser for next week.
1: Perfect teaser. In Cleveland, the men's and women's roller derby teams are oh. the Cleveland Guardians.
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. We have, we have some high stakes uh, on, on our hand on tap for next week. But we're also going to be talking about the uh, uh, MLB trade deadline as well, um, as well as some other topics. So make sure you tune in. But until then, have a good one, everybody.